1: Welcome back to Make You All Daily, presented by BetMGM. At Egress, Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. One thing I've noticed at my time uh, since joining the group here is that whenever Aaron is sipping a beverage, that's when Joe <laughs> wants to make some wisecrack, just so that uh, we can see if Aaron can get Coke Zero to come spit out of his nose out. or something. I don't know. Yeah, a little spit take or something. Yeah, Definitely yeah, is funny. Uh, it's a vet well, I move. Mean... I will say that.
3: I
2: and you know what else I, it's amazing as long as I've known Erin we've talked for hours and hours on air we've talked off air and then I always find out new things about her like right right after we have our movie conversation she mentioned oh by the way I was in a movie like yeah <laughs> was it in the 90s it, it
3: almost could have been drafted unbelievable like a, a well that's multi that's what made me think about it because i believe it the taping of it or the filming of it started in around 99 2000 it must have been more like 2000 and the movie came out in 2001 because it i don't know how long they take to turn around movies now but back then it was like a year it felt like so yeah saving silverman uh it was filmed in vancouver i was living there at the time and i was a nanny which is funny because I'm always making fun of my au pairs. I was actually a nanny at one point uh, to the director's son. Dennis Dugan is his oh. name. He was also the director of Happy Gilmore. And so a friend of mine was like, Hey, this family, this like big time movie director is looking for a nanny. Do you want to do it? I was like, Sure. They paid very well. I just took the kid and did fun things every day. And they were like, Hey, do you want to be in the scene? One of them was at Stanley Park in Vancouver, which is like a famous. Tourist attraction. It's beautiful. But I was visiting Arizona State and I was so bummed because I had this trip planned and I really wanted to be in this scene. So then uh, they're like, don't worry, there'll be other opportunities. And so I am in the Neil Diamond concert part of the film at the very end so Neil Diamond's on stage with all the actors and then I'm sitting I'm standing in the crowd like front row but the um director's wife and his son are right next to me and I'm just yelling sing it sing it like that was our <laughs> part so Neil Diamond <laughs> yeah
2: nice you know his chest hair? oh that's phenomenal so did it you meet it was
3: a fun experience
2: did you meet Jack Black or Jason Biggs or anybody
3: I wouldn't say I really met them. They were like right there though. I didn't yeah, want to like overstep yeah. my bounds and you know, I was just trying to play it cool. Know my role. Just <laughs> yeah, stand I'm there cool. and be chill. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. I tried
3: I tried to pull that off. Like, yeah, I've, I've been here before.
2: No big deal. Totally normal. Jason Bates well, at the well, time the one truth. of the biggest actors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Isn't it true too, Aaron? where like all the extras get shuttled off so that they can't interact with the stars once they yell it's a wrap?
3: Probably. I don't really remember that. I just kind of remember just standing there, but they were like up on stage, you know, so it Mm -hmm. wasn't like... There was much of an opportunity, but they were just having fun. I remember thinking, like, what a cool job! Like you're just chilling at an old Diamond concert, like being yourself, basically just messing around and getting paid so much money to do it.
2: Was he was he uh, playing America in that scene?
3: Oh, oh look look at is that? You got, you found it. Let
2: me see. This. You got the picture a young, up. Twenty you year are old. Oh, so young.
3: Oh my wow. God! Baby. You look
2: like you're sixteen. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's unbelievable. so that that's was awesome. his wife the blonde with the white shirt next to me and then the son okay. must have been on the other side of her um but yeah they they showed the shot like a few times but yeah they got the freeze Gerch got the freeze frame of it
2: <laughs> but the, that's that there's audio awesome. of you in that scene saying sing it that's you
3: i think it was more like a silent i don't know i you might be able okay. to hear it I'd have to go back and watch, mm-hmm. okay. but yeah.
2: That's so good. <laughs> That's good. so cool. Got used oh, to there's that the all. kid.
3: That's the kid that I babysat right there.
1: Oh, really? Oh, okay. Oh my yeah. god. Look at that. That's so cool. <laughs> That's wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. And That's then we started talking
3: about
2: – We find that out, and then we started talking about movies like we did yesterday with the TV characters that probably should have made it. There are so many movies that should have made mm. it. Like I'm, I'm kind of mad. I, oh. I should have drafted swingers at some point. You know what I mean? How did Forrest Gump, as big as that was, I think in '94, true, like, that didn't even mm-hmm. make our list among everybody's.
3: Draft. We almost it's, need genres different. to to, yeah. to yeah. Like, nail it down because it's too hard.
1: It's like '90s doesn't <laughs> doesn't categorize it well enough. You need to go even further because yeah, like a '90s comedy, a '90s. Tragedy, whatever. Like, they're all great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Someone Aaron was bringing was up
3: Twister. Off. Remember Twister? See, like,
0: that yeah. is not on yeah. my radar even a it little not. bit. No. It's, that's I like thought, fifth no.
3: Tier.
0: I thought Aaron but was going to go
3: half baked.
0: <laughs> I, I almost did. I almost
3: went half <laughs>
0: well, yeah.
3: yeah. Did I leave anything off? Sandlot. I can't believe Sandlot didn't make it. We're a sports yeah. show.
2: Uh, I man. just saw that. I just kid. saw lot It's a rookie it's of the year. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I just watched Rookie of the Year, too.
1: So, it's yeah, so a bad. Big but it's league. Good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's any one of those. So. So uh, among the myriad newsletters I get every single day, uh, one of them uh, comes from Data Golf and they have uh, a little write-up once a week as far as like looking at golf analytics and things like that. And the latest uh, feature that they had involved explaining Scotty Scheffler's putting and how he could be such a bad putter despite doing everything else really, really well in the golf course. And it, it, even if he were an average putter, he'd basically win every single tournament he's in over the last several months. Uh, but it breaks down two theories as to why uh, his putting hasn't been up to snuff. And these are theories that uh, Scheffler has put together. And I actually think there's actionable betting information that I want to get your thoughts on, guys. So Scotty Scheffler said that the two biggest reasons why his putting stats have been subpar. Number one, he's consistently playing later in the day on weekends, which means that the greens are in worse shape. And his second theory is that because he's hitting so many greens and he's going for it, that he has less control over where he leaves the ball for his first putt compared to a player who, say, misses a green and chips it back on or those who, say, lay up. And then they use an iron or a hybrid or something like that to get on the, green, mm-hmm. on the green that way. So data golf broke down these two theories. As far as the second one, as far as those who are laying up more, they say that that doesn't matter. Uh, you know, Scheffler, his putting numbers are not affected by that. But the first one does have some merit. Again, that's the idea that because he's playing later on the weekends, the greens are in worse condition. And if you look at, say, morning waves versus afternoon waves, then, yeah, there's something to it. Afternoon waves tend to putt worse than morning waves. And so I I looked at this and I thought, well, yeah, we're talking about the weekends. And so in terms of live betting opportunities, maybe there's something there. If, say, you've got a really close tournament where, like, you've got a really true log jam at the top of the leaderboard, maybe those who tee off a little bit earlier, maybe there's something to that. But if you're talking about, say, Thursday and Friday, more specifically Thursday, why not take first-round leaders who are teeing off in the morning because the golf course is in absolutely pristine condition, and they are the ones who are likelier to post a lower score because everything is immaculate? What do you think about that, Joe?
2: So you're talking about just, yeah, I'm trying to think of the ways that we can attack this. So if you're going outright, if you're going – because you know, obviously the, the the golfers that are in positions to succeed on Sunday are going later. I mean that's just how it works out. Same thing for even for moving day. Maybe you can make the argument that on moving day on Saturday you go in the mid middle, I guess, or because mm-hmm. it's tough to go from the very bottom of just barely making the cut to a a potential winner, and you can't really do anything with matchups because most of the matchups, uh, the three balls, all that stuff they're all going at this around the same time. So uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how do you, how do you, how do you attack it? Um, it, it feels like I would have to look at who was uh, the first round leader yesterday. It was another monster number. Like the, the run continues of mm-hmm. uh, the first round I, leader over at the John Deere classic.
1: Yeah. It was a name I wasn't too familiar with. And right. I, I, I don't know it. when he teed off, what was that? Let me try to look. There's
0: like Paul. a Swede, I think. Uh, yeah. The
1: something like that.
0: Yeah, Jonas yeah, Blix. I think that
1: was him. Oh, Jonas Blix. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I know who Jonas Blix is.
2: Okay. He's popped, but the, but he had a triple digit number for John Deere. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have to look at because I, I don't think we've heard from him in quite some time. Um, but, right. But yeah, so maybe the angle is if you're taking longer shots, you're taking swings in first round leader. Um, the putting advantage would be your early tee times, right? Is that the only way yes. to really attack this?
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
2: That is a harsh lesson in business.
3: Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of
1: big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It
3: opened so up so many know, more doors. The show is
1: called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I, I think if you're looking at like a first-round leader bet, and The Open maybe a, a good example of this where the weather is a little more mercurial, usually. If you can find better weather conditions in the morning and you have someone who's serviceable enough as part of that morning wave, maybe that's the time to attack a first round leader bed.
0: And we're maybe. strictly looking at putting for the purposes of this conversation for the most part, is like so, where are the edges.
1: Exactly. Like the reason why would be, okay, even though putting is full of variance, you are probably likelier to have a putting advantage off of a morning wave compared with an afternoon wave.
0: I also wonder, like, some, play, some books offer first round top five, first round top mm-hmm. 20, and sometimes you get better numbers there than tournament top fives or tournament top 20s. So that could be an option too. Right. Yeah, Yeah, definitely.
1: I think you combine a couple of factors together, like weather, and then being out of the morning wave, Joe, I I think there's something there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I would like to do some uh, – dig some stuff up on first-round leaders and when they they teed off uh, overall. But that is an interesting angle. That makes sense because Mm -hmm. with the matchup stuff, once you get to the weekend as far as outrights, there's not really much you can do, but it feels like first-round leader – or, or even day two leader, you could do that too. Those are those are available.
1: For sure. Not no, a perfect I, I sign. Agree. Like
0: this is obviously just cherry picking an example from today that does But like Lucas Glover, morning group mm-hmm. seven under today. I mean, yeah, you know, maybe yeah. someone shoots seven under in the back end too, but.
1: No, I, I, there, there may be something that and, it, to that, and definitely this is worth a, a little bit of, of research here. And, and if we find something, then, yeah, there, there may be something there, and we can start to run with it. Uh, let's also talk about uh, NFL Week 1, because, Aaron, I know uh, there have been a couple games that you have looked at on the slate that you feel like uh, we should be betting on here in early July.
3: Well, the one I was looking at, and I've looked at a few, but I I was going to do a deeper dive into this over the next couple of weeks. I can't believe when we get back, it's almost going to be training camp time, but Panthers plus three at the Falcons, the total is 43. So Desmond Ritter for the Falcons, he did start four games last season. And then uh, you just have a rookie quarterback on the road. Game one, week one, you know, it was just sort of a simple thought is, is he really going to be that ready to go in terms of game speed? He's never played in an NFL game before. And then perhaps Desmond Ritter has a little bit of an edge there since he did play in a handful of games last season. Uh, The Falcons do have a new defensive coordinator in Ryan Nielsen. The Falcons also have some new starters. Um, but I just think this is a spot to take the underdog here. Panthers plus three. I mean, I I'm sorry. Falcons is, minus three yeah. and fade, fade the rookie quarterback.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my question is this. Are we sure that the Panthers He's are gonna not going to start Andy Dalton? Yeah. Like, are we sure it's going to so, be Bryce Young? I, and I don't know.
3: That's. That's exactly my thought with that game. And also, uh, will the Jags face Minshew or Anthony Richardson? You know what I mean? There's Mm -hmm. so many question marks right now. So those were just a couple that stood out uh, when you've got those rookie quarterbacks. Like, perhaps week one, they're not going to quite be ready if they do start, Joe.
2: Are are we sure uh, Baker's going? Did they make that announcement for Tampa? Yeah, I'm just six and a half seem rich for Minnesota. It feels a little bit. For the some of the talent that you still have on that Bucks roster. I know everybody under the sun is fading them. But uh, as far as others that really stand out, I'm I man, I feel like if it goes Lions seven, a lot of people are gonna jump on it. If they're if they're looking for Detroit money, you just have to go to seven and you're gonna get a mm-hmm. ton of it. But, um, mm-hmm. listen, the theme continues this summer. I cannot wait to take the Steelers plus three against San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Maybe we're a pro-Steelers show just because of week one. We and are. And then we'll change our mind after for that. Yeah, we're not a Commander show. We're a Steelers show. And I'm more comfortable with that, just personally. This is BeckQL Daily presented by BetMGM. MGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight and maybe the next two weeks. I don't know. That's coming up right here on the BeckQL Network.